0: you. It's encouraging. It's inspiring. And you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church Online, and happy birthday. City Church is two years old today. I hope you enjoyed that video of just celebrating all that God has done over the last year. Just amazing, amazing. Honestly, it's really amazing to think about it in the middle of a pandemic, how much God did, and specifically how much he did in and through this local community. And it's amazing that like today we're celebrating that City Church is turning to, and, and probably very few, if, if none of our online audience, uh, uh, would have been here like back in in the day, kind of on the, like the very front end of City Church starting, there was a day when there were so few of us that we had to like gather in the lobby of the church building that we're in now because it was so depressing in the really large auditorium. And so we had to like put 10 chairs out in the lobby just to not cry ourselves to sleep every night as we were grinding out this plant a church thing. And now looking back two years in, and God is just done amazing things. So I just want to celebrate. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're a guest with us, such an honor to have you joining the celebration today. And, and I just want to kind of recall some things for a moment. Two years ago, uh, we, we launched City Church with a with, what we felt like was a very clear vision from God, a call not just to start a church, but to reach a city. And, and we knew that when God called us to plant City Church, that we, this was not going to be like the the, the finish line, but rather that that was just the starting line, that the, the God is only getting started in what he is doing and what he's invited us into. And we've said it over and over again, and I just want to reiterate this reality again today, that if we ever get too busy or if we ever get too enamored with ourselves as City Church, if we ever get too uh, focused on just like the weekend production side of things and and, and we're not an active and intentional and, and loving demonstration of the love of God as we serve and we give and we are involved in the community around, around us, if, if we, fail to be a church in and for the city, then we are failing as a church. And so we want to make sure that we're continually celebrating the right things, that as a church, city church, we exist to help people find their way to God from where they And what that means is that we're not going to sit back and wait wait for people to come to us, but rather we are committed to being a church that is going into the world to share God's love through our words and through our actions. And so we've said it over and over again. I just want to encourage you that we have a desire to continue to build and to plant a, a church for people who don't go to church that we're creating a community for those who don't have community, a family for those who don't have family, a community where everyone is loved and safe and welcome and everyone has the chance to hear about, to experience and to take next steps toward a, a relationship with God. That's our, that's our heartbeat. And so we're so excited to be standing two years into this thing and saying, wow, wow. Like, just look at what God has done. Look what what he is doing. And let's just be honest. Like, even if you're on the online side, you're on the podcast, you're on, on the YouTube channel or Facebook or wherever you are, like, there is no city church without you. And so today's a, a big part of the celebration is just celebrating you. Like, man, I'm so grateful for you. If we were in person, this would be where we, we'd be clapping and, you know, having an awesome just time together. But since we're digital, we're just going to pretend like, all oh, that's happening. Woohoo! go you. Right, but seriously, this is a moment where we're, like, celebrating you because there is no city church. Church without you, but more importantly, not just celebrating you, but, but celebrating all that God has done and will do through you. And, and then, lastly, and I, I know you know this, but um, the reality is we, we're, we really gather together, we really tune in together in this manner. The reason that we do this is to celebrate really the only hero that's involved, and that's Jesus. Like, like it's just, it's all about Jesus. We just want to celebrate Jesus and all that He's done. And, and, and so today is just like, man, let's just make much of Jesus. And listen, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, if you're tuning in, you're like, I don't know if Jesus is the hero. That's okay. Like, just, just sit back and look at all that he has done. Just listen to how good and how great he is. And just evaluate for yourself, man. I'm convinced Jesus is the hero. He's always going to be the he- hero. He's always been the hero. He always will be the hero. And so, so today we just want to celebrate Jesus and all that he has done. And so today I want to look at a story in the life of Jesus that I believe represents not only what he wants to do in our lives, what he has done if you're a follower of Jesus, what he has done in your life, what he wants to continue to do in your life on an individual basis, but also I think this story represents what Jesus wants to do in and through us in the community and the world around us. And it starts in John chapter 4. So let me show you this story. John chapter 4 in verse 3, we see Jesus leaving Judea and departing again for Galilee, he is, he's heading south to, to north, and he's going back with all of his guys, and it says in verse four that he had to pass through Samaria. Go back real fast. He had to pass through Samaria. And, and I love this because um, this is John, one of Jesus' closest followers, recording this and, and like recounting it for us, and he says that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. What's funny is he didn't had to. <laughs> Okay, he didn't, he didn't actually have to. In fact, most, actually all Jews, would have gone around Samaria because Samaria was like just this, this half-breed. I mean, there was some serious racial tension. All the Jews hated the Samaritans. And so they would actually add three hours onto their trip to go around Samaria and take the eastern route north in order to avoid this town. And so when John said that Jesus had to pass through Samaria, actually, he didn't have to. But what I love about Jesus is he had to. All right, like like Jesus had an appointment in Samaria. When Jesus said, hey, I came for the whole world, he meant everybody, including the people that no one else thought was worth loving and engaging. And so even though Jesus didn't have to, geographically, he had to because he had an appointment with a woman that we don't even know her name. We just know her as the Samaritan woman. And Jesus is going to roll up. He's going to be hanging, on, hanging out at a well, and he's going to run into this woman. He has an appointment that he has set aside to meet with her. And what's amazing is he set up this appointment, and she's not even looking for him. She has no idea that this thing is set up. And we don't have time today to like go into the depths of her story, so I just want to give you a snapshot so you have context to what we're about to read. Um, but later on, you would find that this woman... Her, her story carries a reputation. Like in the town that she's in, um, she, she's been married five times. She's, she's living with the guy that she's with right now. Um, she's probably got a story that, that is full of loneliness and rejection. She's outcast from the community uh, for being married five times and her reputation that she's carrying. Um, I'm sure she lives a life full of shame based on the cultural like shunning that's happening. Um, she's probably been in multiple relationships where, where it's always a, a everyone's taking and no one is giving. And so she's just a depleted woman, if that makes sense. And what I love is Jesus intentionally. We see that he has to go to this place because he wants to meet her where she is. This is amazing. This is like no matter what your story is, listen, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, if you think you're like the best person on the planet, if you know that you just don't have your crap together and like you're, you're like me and, and you're just not even sure if Jesus, like, like you deserve even his attention or time, like, like man, no matter where you are on the spectrum Jesus is still setting up appointments. He's going out of his way to meet with you and to meet with me. And listen, he did it for me at 15. He'll do it for you no matter where you are. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's already done it for you, and he continues to meet with us. I mean, it's amazing that he goes all the way to us to meet with us rather than us having to go to him. Let me show you in verse 7 as the story unpacks. So Jesus is hanging out at a well, and uh, it says, that A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. And then John lets us know his disciples had gone away into the city to buy some food. They're looking for like a long john silvers or something because they're all hungry. And Jesus is hanging out by himself. And the Samaritan woman says to Jesus, How is it that you, don't miss this, a Jew ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For And then John gives us a little side context here into the story. For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. That's a really nice way of saying that Jews treated the Samaritans like like, like they were worse than dogs. And so in this moment, this woman is, I mean, she's got a terrible reputation in her own hometown, and now there's this this Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman, and I mean, she's just thoroughly confused. This this doesn't happen. In fact, Jesus is crossing all kinds of problematic barriers in this moment, culturally speaking. That's what I love about Jesus. He's like, man, he doesn't care about what's going on around him culturally. He's getting to you and I. It's amazing. Now now watch what happens in the next verse. We see the conversation go on. Jesus answers and he says, If you knew, talking to the woman, the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir... I've been coming to this well for a long time. And you don't have anything to draw water with. <laughs> like, that well is deep. Where, where, where are you, you going to get this living water? I mean, she's just thoroughly confused, right? She's like, I've been coming here a long time. And, and and Jesus is about to read her mail, by the way, right? Like, it's about to get awesome how he switches it. But he goes on. Check this out in, in the next uh, couple of verses. And he says to her, everyone who drinks of this water, pointing at the well that she's looking at, everyone who drinks here is going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus looks at the woman, they're having this dialogue, and he says, you know what the problem is with the well in front of us? He said, the problem with the well in front of us is you can't take it with you. Right, like every every day, you got to come back. You got to you got to dig deep, and you got to pull water out, and like over and over again, you're just constantly thirsty. Over and over again, it's just it never is enough. Right? He says, but you know what? I've got a well that can go with you wherever you go. And in that moment, the woman's like, "Hook me up, (laughs) because I am tired of carrying this bucket." And in this moment, Jesus says, hey, I've got a, a, a travel-sized companion, right? I think Jesus in this moment is inventing the, ver- the very first camelback. That was a joke. But seriously, think about it. Like, like the very first camelback for your soul, right? Jesus is saying, hey, I've got something that's going to, that, that, that's like the quenchiest, right? Like everything, all the, all the thirst and all of the things that you're trying to, to fill in your life. I've got something that's going to fully satisfy. It's not only going to fill you up, but it's going to keep you Fool. And, and here's what Jesus knows, and he's about to read her mail, right? He looks at her, and, and, and she's saying, I, I come to this well, and here's all the hard work that it takes. And he's like, yeah, you know, you, you have been going to the same well for a long time. Right? This Samaritan woman, you've been going to the same well for a very long time, and every time you, you, you end up still thirsty, every time that you kind of end up still, still empty. And what she doesn't know is that he knows that, he, that we're not just talking about water, but we're talking about her soul. So then Jesus kind of overtly, he's like, hey, why don't you go get your husband and let's talk about this, this this well that that never runs dry, this well that you can take with you. And she's like, "Uh, I'm not married. And then Jesus is like, yeah, you're right. You've been married five times before this and now you're just shacking up with the guy that you're with right now. And she's like, "Ho ho." I perceive that you're a prophet. And then she like quickly changes the conversation it's so funny. She's like, "Let's not talk about that." She transitions the conversation immediately once she realizes like who he is. And 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 he Jesus sees that. He's like, "Man, you've been running to relationships your entire life. Relationship after a relationship after a relationship after a relationship, and they never fill you up." And so then she tries to switch it really quick. She's like, "So, I, you know, I heard the Jews want to worship over here and the Samaritans worship over here. What do you think about that?" And what's amazing is that she's probably just trying to get on a totally different, right? She's just trying to derail the conversation not to talk about herself. But she actually opens up a conversation around this idea of worship. She opens up a conversation around the very root issue of all of our struggles, the very root issue that Jesus came to reconcile and to make right. She addresses in this moment unknowingly. She starts talking about worship. And at the core of our struggle, at the core of your struggle, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, the core of our struggle is the struggle of worship. And before you, before you start filling your mind with what you think that means, let me just give you a definition to help you understand. Mark Driscoll says it this way. He says, worship is the continuous outpouring of all that I am, all that I do, and all that I can ever become in light of the object of my own choosing. You see, you see, everyone on the planet is a worshiper. We might not give ourselves that title, but everyone on the planet is, is pouring themselves out to the object or, or person of their own choosing. And, and here's the reality is that, that the only difference is, is we're all worshipers. It's just the object of our worship that changes. And so people, here's what's amazing, is that people go to these different places to get a drink. They're, they're looking for you know, just all kinds of things. We all do this. We're looking for satisfaction, we're looking for fulfillment, we're looking for purpose, we're looking for identity, we're looking for pleasure, we're looking for a release from anxiety, we have all these things we're just trying to fill our soul with. And here's what's ironic about it, is that you and I go to these different wells to take a drink to fill us up, but then in the process we chase these wells so much that we actually pour ourselves out to attain them, and then we take that drink and they don't. Don't, that maybe only temporarily satisfy, and so then we end up walking away not only still thirsty but empty. And Jesus says, "I I see that, and I know that, but I have a well that you can drink from that won't it won't only just fill you up, but it'll keep you full." And so, what is it for you? Right, for this woman, it was relationships it was that she was looking for maybe significance or comfort or love, or right? It could be a number of things that she was looking for in relationships, but we see the turnover. Six, five different marriages in a sixth relationship. She's looking for something. She's drinking from the same well and, and not getting the, the results that she's looking for. Other, others of us, right, we chase all kinds of stuff. We go to different wells for different things. We're, we're, we're looking, we're worshiping our career. We're, we're, we're worshiping our, our autonomy. We're worshiping our IQ. We're worshiping our kids. We're worshiping our reputation. We're worshiping our income. We're worshiping our comfort, our pleasure, our significance, our status, our stuff. I mean, we, we go to all kinds of things and if we're being honest if you're like me you probably worship a little bit of everything and it's not and it's not that that those things are bad things the problem with worship is when we take a good thing and we make it a god thing that's when it becomes a bad thing and what happens is we go to all these different things all these different wells different uh, things and status and people, whatever it is for you. And we and we say things like, never leave me, never forsake me, always forgive me, always fill me, ground my identity, give me purpose, give me passion. And we have we start writing these resumes on our heart. We start handing these resumes out to anything and everything that we think is going to be able to fulfill it. And we're just looking for anyone or anything to fill the job description of our soul, to meet those needs. And what happens is we start crushing other people and we start crushing ourselves. We crush our relationships. We crush our kids. We crush ourselves with our jobs because we start handing out resumes that no one can fulfill. We have a job description that is so heavy and so high, and the reason it's crushing us and others is because Jesus is the only one who can fill that role. All of us are handing out resumes that only Jesus can fill. You see, being a worshiper is not the problem. It's the object of our worship that gets us in trouble. And so so we go to these different things, and we're just looking to quench the thirst. We're just looking to be filled up, looking to be satisfied, and and, and we we just walk away empty. And Jesus came to capture our hearts and bring us back into relationship with God, to, to realign our worship, that our souls were made for God. And, and it's in Jesus that's the only time that we're going to find true satisfaction. Bob Goff says it this way. He says that whatever you're aiming for, Jesus is better. Whatever you're aiming for, Jesus is better. So let me, let me show you Jesus' response to this woman as they kind of have this dialogue in verse 23. Jesus says it this way. He, he says, but the hour is coming and is now here, ta- talking about himself actually. When the true worshipers will worship the Father, he's talking about God in spirit and in truth. Check this out. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Don't miss this. God is not looking for worship. It's not a location. It's not a specific activity. He's looking for worshipers. You see it? This is about People, This is about you and me, that we have a, a disposition that is meant to be pointed at, aimed at, and fulfilled in our worship of God. To pour ourselves out, to seek continually, to cultivate relationship with, to walk hand in hand in. And, and, and Jesus' point here, and I don't, I don't want you to miss this, is that worship is not something that stops and starts. It's a lifestyle, right? It's not, it's not something that you go to it's it's the spiritual camelback. You carry it with you wherever you go. It's this incredible. And Jesus uses two words. He says it's spirit and it's truth. Spirit meaning it's a spiritual activity. Jesus said that that we're, we're invited to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's the whole person. It's the whole being. All of me being poured out, worshiping God, cultivating, seeking after God. He said it's in spirit, but it's also in truth. I love this. That, that it's worshiping the right God in the right way. You see, some people have like these ideas of worship, like, oh, you know, like I went to that church and I checked it out and their worship wasn't my style. I, I know what they mean by that. What they're talking about is the music. The problem is that's not the right, that, that, that's not the invitation, right? Because we're not worshiping you or anybody else in the room. We're there to worship God, so it has nothing to do with your preferences, right? That we're not here for you. We don't show up for ourselves. We show up for God. And and, 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 and it's amazing because as we start to dig into this, I, I need you to understand, God doesn't need your worship. You do. <laughs> okay? God, God doesn't need our worship. We need it. Our souls were made for this. And so then you got to ask the question, where do we do this, right? And this is what the woman was asking. Is it over here at this temple or is it over here at this? Like, what do we do? And here's the the amazing thing. In the same way that Jesus came to this woman and came to the well, right, you and I don't, don't go to God for worship. God came to us that through Jesus and through faith in him, we receive the Holy Spirit of God, and we're given this internal well, this overflowing, amazing life, this new life, and we can worship God wherever we are. Jesus would say, you don't have to go to a temple. God's going to make you a temple. I mean, this is amazing. Like, man, worship is not something you go to. It's just it's something that you do wherever you are. You can worship God washing the dishes and driving to work and where you live, work, and play and hanging out with your kids. I mean, you can worship God in everything and so then it has got to kind of stir the question inside of us if i can if i can worship god anywhere then then why is it important that i worship with you right like why why can't me god in the mountains be enough it's a good question right and we start to wrestle with with this idea. Let let, let me show you just the words of Jesus to help you have context here because you and I are invited to worship God individually, but then there's a corporate expression that Jesus shows us in Matthew 16, 18. Look at this. Jesus said an emphatic statement. He said, I will, activity on him, build my church. And this, I don't know what your mind goes to when you think of church, but when Jesus used this word, he could have used any word to talk about what he was going to build to express this idea of spiritual community he could have used any word but he chose the word ekklesia church which is has nothing to do with geographical location and brick and mortar and literally it means gathering what this means friends is that you and i cannot be a part of what jesus is building if we're not together Okay, right. there's this amazing invitation that we literally, functionally, we cannot be the church without one another. And so, so if, if you're a follower of Jesus, what um, one of the primary reasons that we gather together is, is not for us, but for him, right? Like, like we don't gather together because the church is great. Listen, like I, I think our church is amazing, but we, we don't gather together because the church is great. We don't gather together because the music is great, even though it's amazing. We don't gather together because the, the, the messages are great, even though they're amazing, right? We, we, sometimes, sorry. We, we don't gather together because the people are great, even though they are amazing. You know why we gather? We gather because God is great. That's it. God is great and he promises to meet with us. We don't invite people to city church saying, oh, you got to come check out the great free coffee or the amazing band or the amazing communicator. No, the invitation is God meets with us here. Come experience God. That's it. That There's a collective expression when we gather of meeting with God and worshiping. So let me ask you a, a question. What do you think it looks like? And what do you think it looked like in the early church? What do you think Jesus had in mind when he talked about building the church? What do you think that expression looked like? I think America ha- has this idea. I don't know where it came from because it's kind of weird. Like We have this disposition of like when we're in church, it's kind of formal, and you're not supposed to be excited. But for some reason, we can show up to like sports games and rallies and political events. We can lose our minds and paint our bodies and wave signs and be all kinds of crazy. But then when we come to church, right? we got to really tone it back for Jesus. We cannot be excited. Let me show you Psalm 100 here just to give you an expression of what it's supposed to look like. Oh, so again, there's, a, there's a, an individual experience and expression of worship, but there's also a corporate and, and community uh, expression. So this is Psalm 100. Check this out. Make a joyful noise. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> like, make a jo- there's some people who are following Jesus, and they make it look like it's the most painful thing they've ever had to do. Right? Like, look, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his and we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. He cares for us and walks with us. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love, it endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. There's a two-part theology here I need you to get. Why do we gather and what sets the tone for how we gather? Two things in here. God is great. Right, he said, he said, God. He's the Lord. He's God. Okay, he he has the ability. He is who he said he was. He can do what he said he's going to do. He's great, but he's also good. God is great and God is good. That should be enough, but to get you out of your seat, to get you standing up and clapping, to get you excited to celebrate all that God is doing. When we come together, it's about Him and not us. So let me ask you a question. Let's go back to the verse real fast. So let's just look at this just briefly as we kind of land the plane in our conversation. I'm going to invite Daniel up as he comes. I just need you to reflect on this. What what should it look like when we gather? Okay. Th- there's a, there's a corporate expression of worshiping as Jesus is building his church, and there's an individual side. What should it look like? What should it look like? Firstly, it should be joyful, right? Man, man you know that, that there's this disconnect sometimes in our hearts and minds where we show up, and it's, it's like we're mad about being there. <laughs> that's not the picture that we get. When I mean, This is a party. Right today, if you're not in person with us, I realize you're not going to get the benefit, but man, we're having a baptism party, we got donuts to celebrate, we got balloons, and we are partying and celebrating who God is, what He's doing, and all He's done. And listen, even though you're online, I want to invite you to celebrate. He's good, He's great, and there's much joy to be had. Listen, this is not about being fake. This is not about pretending like everything is okay. Joy is a disposition of my soul, regardless of my circumstances. And this is a moment where it starts to be a stretch for some of you because like some of you are fives on the Enneagram and everything's up here and it's intellectual. And so anything that starts to come outside is just, it starts to be uncomfortable. And so listen, we're gonna celebrate big today. We, we orchestrated the online event for you to where we're gonna have like an extended period of worship afterward. We're gonna use song to cultivate and express our worship of God, of making much of Him in our lives. And, and, and I just want to encourage you, man, just, just stretch it a little bit, like whatever it is for you, okay? Like, like just take a little bit of a next step and let it stretch you, right? For some of you, like, like it might be the first time, you might stand up and get off your couch to sing. And it might be for the first time you start carrying the baby Yoda. Right, like, just when you're singing, you just—I'm just trying to give you some body language, okay? Carry, carry the Yoda here. Right, For some of you, you might you might start carrying the flat screen. Just letting your body—listen, listen. Your body language communicates joy. Let your body communicate. Just carry the flat screen. Some of you need to upgrade the flat screen. Right? Are you are you with me? Some of you, uh, I I have a I have a maybe I, I have a timid question. <laughs> right. This is I, I definitely have a question. Some of you man you you, you you go all out and you start worshiping and, you, and it's just a touchdown. Right? Woo! Yes. Some of you it's it's uh, Simba. Right? Like I'm just just trying to help you out. It's okay to have fun. Listen, the point is let your body be an expression of your worship. It's meant to be joyful. It's meant to be active. Right? Worship is a verb and not a noun. It's not it's not an event, it's not a place. But the you and I are, are the worshipers, and God is the audience. And it's also meant to be inclusive. Right? Look at verse 3. It's, it's he made us, and we are his, and we're the sheep of his pasture. It's, it's, it's a collective. It's an us. It's a we. It's a community. There's no individual. You don't get to be a part of the family of God without his family. And, and let, me, let me give you this as we close. You so say, what should we expect when we gather to worship? We should expect to hear from God and we should expect to respond to God. God wants to meet with us. Right? Not only do we have the Holy Spirit the, as the followers of Jesus, the indwelling presence of God inside of us wherever we go. And not only is God everywhere, but there are moments when, when there's the manifest presence of God. It's like when God shows up, there's an experiential side. And he wants to show up. Every time we gather, he wants to show up. That we'd all walk away, not impressed by anything around us, but we'd say, wow, look what God did. God was there we should expect to respond, that God is going to show up and he's going to give us words to speak, actions to take, people to go love and serve, things to repent of and change. And, and so maybe today, listen, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey, maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you're like me and there's some things that God has been putting his hand on that, that you need to to get your your affections and your worship off of and, and, and redirect it back to him. That you've let your worship get misaligned you've let some good things become god things and he's just calling your heart back to the thing that really matters that happened for me this week guys god was like you don't need that you need me for some of you it's 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 making the decision today to to make God the object of your worship for the very first time. It's choosing to trust in Jesus that what he came to do, that he came to meet you in your place. He came to give his life in your place for your sin, just like he did for me. He was He was murdered on a cross. He was buried and he rose again, proving he was who he said he was, that he can do what he said he would do. And he would do it for you and he would do it for me. And by trusting in him, he makes us right with God. And he, and he allows this overflowing new life, this amazing love to overtake our hearts and to be poured out in the direction of our relationship with God, where our souls find their home in Him. And for some of you today, you need to trust in Jesus for the first time. And I want to encourage you to take that step to listen and respond. And some of you, lastly, listen, some of you, man, there's just next steps. It's getting more plugged into community. It's being a part of community. It's gathering with other followers of Jesus. Maybe it's, it's words of encouragement that God has for somebody. Maybe there's someone you got to call right after the service. Whatever it is that God is telling you to do, I want to encourage you. Take the next couple of songs. Worship and make much of him because he is good and he is great. And he loves you and he loves me and he's worthy of that declaration and affection and honor. And let that overflow touch everything else in our lives. And we're not just worshipers when we gather. We are worshipers every moment of every day. And that's where our souls will find true fulfillment and true rest. See you next week.